Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. So glad to have you here back with us for episode 342 of the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to talk with a friend and event planner extraordinaire, Miss Christy Birch, about organizing your next event. Now, as we reflect back on a year that has had us all pivoting to make the best amidst uncertainty, Christy is here to share with us how she's equipping others to host great events and how to do it virtually. She's going to be sharing her best tips for how to attract the right virtual audience, what you need to have in your professional pipeline to be a successful host and sharing insight on the best equipment to help you get started. Christy also is going to remind us about the value of organic marketing to engage the needs of our audiences and cautions us on some of the mistakes that she has seen in the virtual event space. This episode is packed with tangible, actionable steps, and there's something for everyone, no matter your niche. So let's jump right into it. Here's my conversation on organizing your next event with Christy Birch. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we are joined by my friend, Miss Christy Birch, who I actually met through her husband, our mutual friend. Uh, I guess he's a mutual friend that you happen to be married to. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I know that you've been in the event planning space for a long time. So I wanted to have you on because you're also doing a lot with virtual events. Uh, and so let's talk for a second here. One, right before we started recording, uh, you had mentioned that you are starting to see as we get deeper and deeper into 2021, that more in-person events are starting to come back. We were talking about how 2020 was certainly a, uh, a rough year for the event planning space. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But uh, give us kind of your perspective right now on like, what are you seeing as we continue to make our way into 2021 and beyond? Do you feel like we're past uh, COVID? <laughs> Things are coming back to some sense of normalcy? What are, you, what are you seeing? You know, I do. I am an eternal optimist though, but um, I do. I have a lot more conversations now with people wanting to do in-person events. Um, um, and hybrid events. Um, and so I, I don't think that virtual is going away though, right. um, because it does open up a whole new, a whole wider audience than you normally would have um, for your events. And so I think what people are going to do going forward is probably a combination of both. Um, hybrid events, honestly, are very tricky. Uh, it's basically running two simultaneous events. And unless you are really skilled at communicating with both audiences and, and, um, you know, creating the same experience for both the in-person and the virtual audience. It's very tricky to pull off well. So I think what most of my clients are going to end up doing is in-person events, fully in-person, and then also virtual events on the side, you know, just, but just do them separately at separate times. And then you get the benefits of both without having to stress about <laughs> managing both audiences at once. Um, but here in the States, you know, we have some states that are really opening up. Some aren't so much, um, but hopefully as, you know, vaccines are rolling out, we're going to see that more and more. Um, but I think people also are just ready to 
ready to meet in, mm-hmm. in person face-to-face because there's really nothing that beats the face-to-face interaction. Um, but primarily, uh, you know, a lot of my clients are Canadian and Canada is still very shut down. So, yeah. you know, it's just, we're kind of rolling with the punches and taking it day by day. Right. Do you feel like that, uh, that people are getting more and more comfortable because of the vaccine or they feel like people are just like, they're just tired of it and they're over it. Uh, because part of the, the challenge that it seems like in the past six months, 12 months or so has been, um, we have no idea, like things are changing so rapidly that we have no idea, um, what mm-hmm. things look like tomorrow, you know, let alone mm-hmm. several weeks or months from now. And so the idea of planning something that is several months from now for a, a live event feels, feels risky. It feels like, um, it feels less risky now than it did, you know, six months ago or so, whereas mm-hmm. it felt a lot more unknown, but do you feel like there's a general sense from the clients that you're working with to put on events that there's a sense of like, Hey, by fall, we should be largely back to normal. People are going to feel more and more comfortable with planning an event and people attending events and speakers showing up at events. Uh, what's the, what's the sense you're hearing there? Yeah. Well, my clientele are basically leaning towards doing more in-person events. And maybe that's just the personality of my clientele. (laughs) Um, It is kind of a case by case basis on how comfortable people feel. I think the vaccine has put a lot of people's minds at ease um, about coming together. Um, But really you don't know uh, how your audience is going to feel. So it's hard to plan like, well, you know, in years past, we've had 500 people, but like who knows like how many of those people are at risk, you know, and, and really cannot get together. How many people, you know, have had the vaccine and are okay with it. You just kind of have to pull your audience and have like an open conversation. So with the in-person events, like if you are trying to book hotels and things like that, you really want to make sure that you're building in those clauses to cover yourself in the event that, I don't know, that some, God forbid we have another shutdown or something happens, sure. but you know, there's words of all these strains and I, I don't know. Um, but I think people for the most part are just, we're just kind of worn out and like, we're tired of this. We want to break out right. and see people, see our friends, you know, do our thing like we used to do. So um, I, I think I have confidence that my clients will be hosting in-person events in the fall, whether or not they have the attendance that, you know, they had in the past. I don't know, maybe not, but that's okay. We're going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when all of this started to, to creep up on us uh, again, a little over a year ago or so, and the world started to, to shut down, uh, you are in the events planning business, which uh, mm-hmm. is not necessarily the business that you'd want to be in at that time. <laughs> no. uh, nonetheless, uh, here we are. And so one of the things that you have done a good job with is, is quickly seeing the opportunity for virtual and not just helping your clients put on virtual events, but also teaching people how they can host their own virtual events. So can you talk us through if we go back a year or so, the again, the tsunami is kind of on its way to to take out the speaking industry, and mm-hmm. you're realizing that there may be something to this virtual. What what are you? How do you feel about virtual today? Is this a viable option long term? Uh, is this you, you mentioned like that you know the pros and cons of of hybrid events? But what's your sense on virtual today? Yeah, uh, I honestly I don't know how long it will be um, a thing. I don't know if it will, if virtual events will still be a thing five years in the future, but I know for the short term, you know, until people really feel confident or until like the vaccines 100% have everyone covered and we're confident of that, I think there is a necessity for virtual events for sure. But yeah, when 2020 hit and everyone was having to pivot to virtual, I, we all had a learning curve of like, what, what is a virtual event? Like how, what, what do you need? What kind of tech is involved? Like how, how do you, you know, translate your in-person to virtual Um, and so I was doing my own research, uh, and I have access to like industry, you know, newsletters and sources and things that I knew my clients didn't have access to, or the, you know, average Joe. And so I, I just kind of saw the opportunity when I wasn't finding any great, like one 
solid source of information for people. I thought like, well, here's an opportunity to serve people and like help people figure this out. Um, and so I created a course based on virtual events. Um, and really it's, it can be as simple or as complicated as you want it to be, honestly. Um, but there's what 2020, I think kind of showed us is that it's, it was, this now is a better time than ever for you to host your own event. Um, because virtual events are, you know, almost zero cost, right. uh, you know, almost, you just need a laptop and a zoom account, basically, and you could have a virtual event. And so that really leveled the playing field for everyone. Um, so yeah, I just, I thought that I could help people figure that out, even though, um, I mean, there are some things that you need to know about how to translate in person to virtual because it isn't just a straight one-to-one. Um, and there are some tech things to, to figure out if you want to go fancy and, and go a little, a little bigger than just a laptop. Um, but really the bottom line is anyone can host their own event now um, yeah. with very little level uh, barrier to entry, which is great. Yeah, pre-COVID, it, it, you know, virtual events were not really a, a, a thing that people were paying attention to. Certainly not yeah. a thing that, that speakers were, you know, speakers were doing them here or there, but it was not, it was not very common. And now it, it's become much more of a, of a common thing. And like you're saying, it's much, much simpler to put on and coordinate when, to on, on one side of the spectrum, it's it's nothing more than providing a Zoom link to everybody. Right. Uh, and I, obviously there's a lot more bells and whistles that you could do on that. But uh, it feels like the barrier to entry is much lower. But that just because that's the case doesn't necessarily mean that everybody could or should host a virtual event. So right. um, can you give us some, some maybe some, um, some use cases where it would make sense for someone to, to host a virtual event? Like who should host these? Who should be like, nah, this isn't for you. It's better to speak on other stages or, or go a different route. Like who should be hosting virtual events? Who, who should be thinking about this right now? Sure. Well, I think the best use of a virtual event, well, for my clients anyway, is for enrollment um, into a coaching program or some kind of backend offer. Um, because you don't want to like a virtual event needs to have a purpose. You don't want to just bring people together for just to hear you talk for, you know, a day or whatever you need to have a purpose behind what you're doing. So like my clients typically have a coaching program or, um, some type of backend opportunity that they want to enroll people in. So they'll bring people together for the virtual event and teach them at the event. Like you want to actually impart value at the event so that if people don't take your offer, they still walk away feeling like, wow, this was, you know, two days well spent or a day well spent or however long. Um, so I would say if you have a backend offer, you should definitely be doing virtual events because that's a great way to make income right now when maybe you're not able to speak at other people's events. And honestly, for speakers out there who have just been sidelined, you know, because the, their whole calendar got wiped out like mine, you know, they were going to speak at all these events and now they mm -hmm. all got canceled they should be hosting virtual events. Like that's a perfect, like you make your own table. You know, if there's not a seat at the table, you make your own table. So just, I would, I would encourage them to um, host their own virtual events because like I said, it's easier than ever if you have any kind of following. And like I tell people too, like, I think a lot of people get intimidated thinking, you know, I don't have a list of 10,000 people or a hundred thousand right. people. I have a very small list. I don't have that you know, big of a following and it really doesn't matter the quantity of people, it's the quality. And are you, you know, speaking to the right audience? Um, like my husband, honestly, one of the first virtual events that I did was his virtual event. And it was very last minute. Cause he again was like, I don't know if this is something I want to do. Um, but I was like, no, I want to, I want to figure this out. I want to, you're my guinea pig basically. Right, so right. you don't have a choice. Short, <laughs> exactly. So with very short notice, he didn't put, do any ads or anything. He just kind of like emailed his list and kind of put it on social media, just like a week ahead of time. That's the thing too, about virtual events is like, 
you can, you can plan one in two weeks, you know, and like do a great job. There's not a, this whole ramp up, you know, six months to a year process, like with in-person events, how they can be sometimes. So anyway, just with, uh, I believe he had 80, I think he had like 80 people register. I think he had like 45 people show up and it was a one day event and he made $35,000. So, um, it just goes to show you that it's not the size of the audience that matters. It's the quality of people. And are they, are they fans of yours? Are they, you know, the target audience for whatever you have to offer? Um, I would say if you don't have a backend offer or anything um, of value to provide your audience, then maybe <laughs> don't host a virtual event, but any, you know, any speaker, anyone who's in your audience, I know has value to provide. That's why they're a speaker. That's why they do what they do. Um, so I so really can't think of a reason not to do a virtual event other than if you just don't have a purpose for having <laughs> one. So if you, uh, so for those that have a backend offer and so they, when you're referring to that, so for someone that may not be familiar with that, are we talking about coaching, consulting, a course, a book, like what type of backend offer like makes sense and which part is like, eh, you probably need something a little bit more than that to, mm-hmm. cause part of it is just the economical side of it is just right. making, you know, making the, the, the math make sense. So uh, what would a, a, a some type of backend offer look like that might make sense for someone? Typically it's like coaching or um, consulting, like one-on-one done for you, done with you services. Um, a book being a backend offer. I don't think that's enough to mm-hmm. host, you know, your own event. That's a great offer for if you are guest speaking at an event. Um, but if you have a coaching program, if you have um, a high ticket offer of any kind that people are being extremely successful with that virtual. That was one of the things I was super skeptical about was like, how, how's that going to work? Like, how are you going to try to enroll people virtually? And how's that sales process and like the offer and the invitation going to go. But people have responded and uh, my clients have seen the same, if not better enrollments uh, through their virtual events as they did at in-person events, which has been surprising, but across the board has been the case. So can you walk us through like your husband's example? So he does one, it's one day, um, like what, walk us through kind of that day. Is he teaching that entire time? Cause there's also the, the zoom fatigue that everyone talks about. And that's a real thing that we've yeah. stared at screens long enough and trying to just keep someone engaged and keep their attention for a, a full day in person is hard enough. Trying to do that yeah. uh, virtually is even harder because you have so many other things that you're competing against in terms of, of screens and attention. So walk yeah. us through like, what does that day look like? Yeah. So that's actually why he did a one day because he was thinking like, I don't want to like have people sit there in front of their computers for three days. That seems greedy, (laughs) Um, which, but people do, I mean, a day in and day out, like a lot of people have done and, and will do three and four person, three and four day virtual events and people will attend. And it's crazy to me, but I honestly think that they were those longer virtual events were more successful towards the beginning of this whole thing. And people are kind of getting tired of it. Um, But so like straight out of the gate, Cody and I were like, okay, let's just make this like punchy one day, like let's give them a ton of value. So he, he taught very, like it was a very focused subject. Um, my husband does digital marketing. He does like funnels and ads and it's a whole big world of information. And so we just drilled down to like mini courses. So he just picked one little tiny part of his expertise and taught that very deep, um, in, you know, that small amount of time. And he had a $1,500 offer, um, and had, Oh, I, I'm going to get my numbers wrong on this, but I think he had 12 people enroll in that offer. Plus he had a, a coaching program, um, that was a $10,000 offer and he had some people enroll in that. And so, so that's how he made so much money. But yes, if you're going to do a short event, like a one day, it has to be very 
value packed from the get-go um, so that people can't, <laughs> can't walk away because they're like, oh my gosh, taking notes and like getting value. And you want to make it very actionable, very practical, something that they can walk away and be like, okay, whether or not they signed up in their offer, they, they feel like they got major value from that event. Um, anytime you have like a bigger, you know, five figure offer, I do encourage clients to do longer events, two to three day, because you do just need that time to build trust and value with your audience before making that kind of an ask. Um, but like 10, 10 grand or less, you could do with a one day event. If you, if you structure the, the content properly and you provide value and all that kind of stuff. So. Gotcha. Um, do yeah. you feel like that if someone, there, there may be someone who's listening right now, who's going, I've, maybe I've done a little bit of coaching or I have some good content here, but I, I don't necessarily have an offer right now. Do you feel like doing a virtual is a good way to test if they're like doing a, a test group or doing some type of experiment? Um, or do you feel like, Hey, if you're going to do a virtual event and then make some type of offer, it should already be pretty polished and, and buttoned up. Um, that's a funny, that's funny. You should ask that because me like being a planner, I always want to have ever all my ducks in a row before I like make an offer or do anything like that. Cody, literally, he didn't have his offer like completely built whenever he had his event. He was like, I think I want to be the, uh, you know, I think I want it to be this. And I think, you know, I would like to do a four week. It was a four week kind of group coaching program. And so he kind of had an idea for what he wanted to do, but he didn't have all the, he didn't have it all polished and ready to go, but he, I guess, yeah, you could say he tested on this audience and just kind of threw it out there. Like, Hey, I can help you with your mini course. And it looks like this is what I'm thinking. And sure enough, people signed up. And so then he kind of built the bridge as they were walking along yeah. and he kind of has a knack for that. He kind of has a talent for that. So I guess like, you know, who you are, can, are you a person that can do that successfully on the fly? Or do you need to like plan it out? Like someone like me, um, but so to answer your question, no, like you don't necessarily have to have everything completely polished before you throw it out there. Um, and in fact, like one of the methods that I like to use with marketing an event, if you're just marketing organically, is just posting on Facebook, like, Hey audience, I'm thinking of posting a one day event about this thing. Like who's interested, you know, and, and kind of put the word out there to begin with and see what your, uh, you know, what your audience thinks before you even host an event. Like there's no shame in that. And then if you don't get a response, you're like, okay, that was the wrong idea. Let's try something else. Let's throw something else out there. Um, so yeah, I don't think we need to feel like we have to have everything completely perfect before you take the leap. You just got to go for it sometimes. Now, if you were going to do a, a virtual event, one of the things you're kind of just touching on there is how do you attract people? And so, you know, an email list is obviously a great way to do that. But if you're newer and you've got, you know, a hundred people or a couple hundred people on your email list, um, you're going to, uh, you just have the numbers challenge of just trying to get people's yeah. attention and get people to, to register and then get people to show up. Cause like you mentioned with, with your husband, for example, just because he had 80 people registered doesn't mean he's gonna have 80 people show up. And right. so, uh, so how would you go about promoting it to, to, uh, attract people and get people to, to register and attend? Sure. Um, well, like I said, I like the idea of throwing out the test idea because you want it to be like, if you, if you're working with a small audience and a, a you know, a small pool to, to draw from, you want to make sure you're nailing the content on the head as to what people are interested in learning from you and what they're going to show up for. Um, and usually that's a very specific drilled down 
you know, piece of your overall general knowledge. Um, so like I said, Cody does digital marketing, but he focused on just the one aspect of mini courses and people were very interested in that. And so he got a great response. So I like throwing out the ideas first on social media or your email list or whatever. Um, and just asking, Hey, would you be interested in this topic? And then just kind of working from there. If you see a lot, if you feel like you hit a nerve and you have a good topic, then you kind of go from there. Um, it's, you know, when you have a small audience, uh, it's just all about the hustle <laughs> and like posting mm -hmm. on social a lot, emailing a lot because not everyone opens their emails. And so you just, it's a lot of, um, you know, it's a lot of groundwork that you have to do and manual, you know, labor that you have to do to uh, get those signups. But like I said, you don't have to have a thousand people at your virtual event necessarily. You just have to have the right people there. So as long as you're making sure you're connecting with people and you're having those conversations and you're seeing what their pain points are and you're getting an idea for what content would really provide value to your audience, then you're on the right path. So social media marketing, I mean, you know, putting the word out on Facebook, all the social media channels, um, your email list, um, having if you have friends and colleagues that are willing to email for you and like promote, uh, you know, just on your behalf, um, that's always a great way to go. There's a lot of ways you can organically um, promote an event without having to spend any money on ads. Hey friends, I got a question for you. Considering where you are in your speaking journey, what are your next steps to take your speaking career to the next level? If your answer is, I, I have no idea or I have too many ideas, I don't know where to start, let me give you what I believe is the best next step that you can take. I want you to book a call with the Speaker Lab team today over at thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach to see if our personalized coaching program is right for you. We have helped literally thousands of speakers from all over the world find and book more speaking gigs, and we'd love to see if we could help you as well. Our personalized coaching program features done for you websites, done for you demo videos, weekly coaching calls, access to all of our educational content. We find speaking leads specifically for you and so much more. You've got the talent. You've got the drive. Let us give you the plan to execute. All you got to do is book your call today by going to thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Should so, you yeah. should you charge for an event? Uh versus yes. not charge? What are your thoughts there? Oh, absolutely. Uh, if people don't pay, they don't show up is the typical rule. So a lot of people think like, Ooh, if it's free, then, you know, have a lot of people show up, which mm -hmm. free may get a lot of signups, but those people do not show up. Um, so you definitely want to charge. And typically what we see is like, you know, 59 to 79, for, you know, it's, it's a nominal fee, but it, it just gets them to put some skin in the game so that they actually yeah. feel a little bit obligated. Um, other ways to uh, increase show up rate is to not promise recordings. So what you can do is say like, we'll have recordings available, you know, 30 to 60 days after the event or something like that. So if you, if you want to provide recordings, because I get that, that there is some value in that and, and audiences almost always want that, but just kind of dangle that carrot out a little further so that if they know like, man, I really want to learn this, but I can't wait 30 days. So then yeah. they'll show up, you know, but if you're right away saying, yeah, recordings are available, blah, blah, then people are like, ah, okay, I won't attend. I'll just get the recordings and you don't want that. Um, another way to increase show up rate is mailing out swag, physical swag, um, which is an added cost, but it really, 
is a tangible tie-in to your event and it makes people feel like they're a part of something. It kind of creates a reciprocity where if they see that, you know, workbook or that cool t-shirt or, you know, whatever it is you want to send out, if they see that sitting on their desk, they're going to remember, oh yeah, I got the event. I got that thing. I, you know, I can't wait. That's so cool. They sent me this box and like, this is going to be awesome. You know, it builds excitement and it builds um, anticipation for your event. So those are just some tips and tricks on getting people to show up as well as, you know, emailing and staying in constant reminding people. Communication. Yeah. yeah. So why, because on, on one hand, like putting on a virtual event, it seems simple. It is a, uh, you know, it's a, uh, you send out some emails, you post a little bit on social, you send out a zoom link and you're good to go. But on the other hand, like there's a lot of work to it and there's a lot of moving pieces. And that's how, you know, it's part of how you make your business and make your living <laughs> yeah. is by helping yeah. people put these on. Uh, so why host your own versus what a lot of speakers try to do is just, they're trying to get booked on other people's events. You know, they're trying to be booked for conferences or conventions or workshops or, you know, in-person, virtual, whatever it may be, is it worth the effort and energy to put on your own versus attending someone else's and speaking at that? I think absolutely. Um, unless you just have a flood of people asking you to speak at their events, right. um, which I don't think a lot of people have that problem. Uh, you know, it's better to, I think it's better to take action and advocate for yourself than just sit and wait for the phone to ring, you know? Um, so if you're having an, an influx of people just, oh, please come speak, come speak, then by all means go speak at their events. But if that's not the case and, and you're just kind of sitting there and you don't have anything else to do, might as well, <laughs> might as well work on um, producing your own event. Because really, like I said, it can be as simple or as complex as you want it to be. You can do a really good job um, at a virtual event with just you. And I, mean, I would always recommend you have just at least one person to help you at the bare minimum. But if it's just you and like another, you know, a friend, a spouse, a, a, a teammate, whatever, just the two of you, you can rock an absolutely amazing virtual event and, and make a lot of money um, that way. I would argue that hosting your own virtual event is much more lucrative than speaking at someone else's event any day of the week. So yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Let's talk about technology for a second, because this is something that's very intimidating for people. So let's first start by talking about platforms. So uh, Zoom seems pretty simple. Again, you just send out a link and uh, use Zoom. Uh, should we be using Zoom? Should we be using something different? Does it depend on the size and the scope of what we're doing and how many people are there? Uh, so talk to us about that as far as should we use Zoom or should we be using something else? You know, Zoom is the way to go. That's what all of the industry industry leaders are using. It's proven, it's time tested. They have even, it was amazing to begin with, but then of course, over the last year or two, they have just completely, you know, added so much value to their platform and fixed all the bugs. And um, so Zoom is what we always recommend, uh, just me and my colleagues, um, because it does everything that you want it to do. Um, and some of these other fly by night platforms, like I, there are some great ones out there. Um, but who has the time to like go and research, <laughs> you know, so if, if you want to go get something fancy and go try to research and figure it out, you can. Um, but zoom has been the most like accessible almost everyone is familiar with zoom because yeah. you also want to make it an easier barrier, easy barrier to entry for your guests. So they don't have to like learn a whole new platform as well. So right. there's so many reasons why we prefer to use zoom. Um, it's simple, it's low cost, it's got everything that you would want to do, especially if you paired it up with like a stream yard or something like that to have the cool graphics. Um, so I honestly can't speak to any other platforms because I've only ever used Zoom. Cause I just, okay. I'm like, I just don't have the time or energy to go search, you know, hunt down all these other, there are blogs and stuff out there for people who have done the research and, and done that, but I don't think you need anything more than Zoom. 
Gotcha. Now yeah. with Zoom, you have a couple different types of Zoom. So there's kind of the Zoom that everyone's used to where everyone's up on camera more or less, but then you also have like a, a Zoom webinar that has a bit more control. So can you kind of speak to the, maybe the differences of those or which kind seems like maybe with a smaller group, maybe you can use the traditional form of, of Zoom and with a larger group, maybe that could be problematic. Uh, what are the, the pros and cons there? So I always recommend using Zoom meeting for virtual events, no matter the size of your audience, um, because you the difference between Zoom meeting and Zoom webinar is being able to see your attendees mm -hmm. and some of the interactivity components um, like breakout rooms and things like that. Webinars, uh, Zoom webinar is typically for just kind of a broadcast style, like you just want to get on, make your presentation, you know, answer some questions at the end, just the typical webinar format, whereas a virtual event I, at least I designed them to have a totally different feel where you're interacting with your guests, they're interacting with each other, um, you're seeing their faces on the screens, um, and that can only be done through Zoom meetings. So if you want a more interactive, you know, personal uh, feel to your event, use Zoom meeting. If you want to just kind of broadcast information and have it, you know, conduct a webinar basically and just answer questions at the end, then, then the webinar is the way to go. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the other side of the technology, which is microphone, audio, uh, lighting, camera, all the different options. And, and again, you've got the whole spectrum there. So can you kind of talk us through each of those categories, what people should have at a minimum or what you would recommend uh, that people need to, if you're going to host something, here's some things you may want to have in place. Yeah. Um, you know, okay. So yes, I would recommend box lights or a ring light. Um, and, but really if you have great natural lighting somewhere in your house, then you can just set up by a window and it usually works. Um, however you have to work with like the time of day and when does the sunset yep. and, and all that jazz. So having extra lights on hand is definitely recommended. Um, having a great mic, uh, like a Yeti mic, or, um, I'm actually not sure what the what the hottest mic is today, but having a, a microphone, a quality microphone is definitely worth the investment as well. Uh, you also want to have headphones whenever you do events um, so that you can hear properly and you don't have the feedback. Um, if you're playing music um, through your computer, you can get a lot of reverb if you don't have headphones in or just like echoing, you know, uh, outside noise. Um, and then, I mean, your normal webcam works just fine, but if you want to get fancy and get a webcam or a lot of people use like the uh, SLR cameras um, to set up with different angles. And there's this thing called an A10 Mini Pro that it's like a switcher. So you can switch mm -hmm. to different camera angles. I mean, you can get very fancy, like I said. Oh, and like a green screen in your background if you want to, you know, change your uh, background and, and make it look themed with your event or have your branding, you know, behind you, that's a great way to go as well. But um, that's kind of it. Like yeah. from a tech perspective, it's really not super complicated. Yeah. It doesn't have to be complicated. I think it's just, it's easy to overthink it because especially for speakers, when uh, like if I'm hired to go speak at something, I'm just there to show up and speak. And that's kind of the end of the, the transaction. Whereas when it comes to virtual, you're, you're, uh, you're supposed to present and speak and be the MC and also be in charge of the production and lighting right. and audio. And you're just, you're trying to wear a lot of different hats at once, but right. it, again, it's not as complicated as it, as, uh, as some speakers may think it needs to be. Uh, right. And the other part is, as you can start with what you have right now and use some natural light or use just the lights on in the room that you're in, use mm -hmm. the, the mic or the camera that you've got. Uh, and then if you feel like, okay, there's something here, I want to do more of these. And then you want to start to upgrade some stuff. Absolutely. But don't feel like you've got to spend thousands of dollars out of the gate to, to test it and see if it's something you want to keep doing. 
Exactly. Yeah. You can, you can do your first, second, third events just by yourself, or like I said, preferably with a teammate um, to kind of have your back and, and help you out in case of any kind of tech glitches. Um, I think you should always have at least a plus one. Um, but then, you know, the, the whole events industry has pivoted to virtual and, and now we're very savvy in, in everything that you can do. And, making virtual events really cool. So like the AV companies that would have, you know, done an in-person event at a, at a hotel or whatever now are just killing it with amazing, you know, graphics and sound and, and all the cool bells and whistles. So um, if you can hire an AV company just to help support you with graphics and things like that um, and take that pressure off of you, that's a great next step. Cool. Before we wrap up, are there any just big mistakes that you see people who are hosting their own virtual events of just like, ah, oh, man, you just dropped the ball on this thing. And like, here's <laughs> something that like speakers are missing. And if you're trying to host your own things that we just need to be aware of or, or pitfalls we need to try to avoid. Yeah. Um, man, the first one would be just kind of disrespecting people's time. Um, and just running long and having long sessions. Um, so like I said, the in-person can't always transfer to virtual. Uh, we're seeing that in like the length of sessions, like in person, you can get away with a 90 minute, may maybe a two hour long session um, in person, although that's kind of long. Uh, virtual needs to be 30 minutes to maybe 60. If you have like a and a or a workshop time, like it needs to be very short. Our, our attention spans are embarrassingly short these days. Yeah. And when you're at your computer and you have your email and you have your Facebook and you have like everything at the touch of a button, or they can just simply walk away. And, um, you just got to make sure that you're really punchy with your content. It's you, you've drilled it down to the most necessary, you most, most, uh, interesting, you know, things that you have to say, you can't just drone on and on about whatever you want. Um, you have to really respect people's time. So I would say that's the number one major offense. Um, and also, you know, events that last all day and past, you know, we'll end it at five and then they're on you know, seven o'clock and you're still sitting there. Right. People just don't have the patience for that when it's virtual. So you want to make sure that you have a purpose to your event. You're going to really impart value and you're going to respect people's time. And I think that's the best way, the best uh, mindset to have as a presenter. Yeah. Very well said. Christy, we appreciate the time. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can we go? Yeah. Um, well, actually I have a checklist um, for for planning a virtual event and it's at virtualeventplaybook.com slash checklist. And you can get a checklist and it's actually uh, based on a six week timeline of what everything you need to um, plan a virtual event. So hopefully that can help some people for their first time events on where to start and how to get going. Awesome. Give us that URL one more time. Uh, it's virtualeventplaybook.com slash checklist. Awesome. Very cool. We'll link up to that. Christy, we appreciate the time. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps, it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.